Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. As always, guys, it's uh, good to see you guys. Good to talk Dynasty values with you. And we're going to wrap up our series of looking at these rookie reviews from the 2020 rookie class. Before we do that, though, I want to bring both of you in, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Ready to kind of put a bow on these 2020 rookies and move on to the 2021 class. Matt, I know you're eagerly uh, looking forward to that 2021 rookie class. The Senior Bowl is now in the books as well, and this is usually the time that you're really digging into that future class, but we got to, like Ryan said, put the bow on the on the 2020 class first. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably far behind both of you guys in that regard. I, I feel pretty solid about the first round of the 2021 class, at least where they are right now before we know landing spots and all that stuff, but uh, I still have a lot of work to do on the, on the, on the, you know, the next 12 to 24 guys i thought for sure you were gonna say i i feel pretty solid about that 2020 class we'll worry about the 2021 (laughs) class later Uh, we are gonna get to that 2021 class real soon but uh one of our favorite things to do on the show guys is to mock draft and we're gonna final uh, finally i guess uh or put do our final rookie mock draft we'll make it super flex we're gonna do ppr league it's uh we want to talk about all the players for sure cover as many as we can but first we should talk about that matthew stafford trade ryan because news of that broke over the weekend and it appears like a blockbuster lots of draft picks a couple of quarterbacks it's gonna it's gonna really set the tone for an off season that it promises a lot of quarterback movement yeah absolutely this had this had already been one of the one of the big topics of the off season. We've talked about it on here. Uh, really, every every podcast, everybody on Twitter has been talking about this quarterback movement that we are expecting, including Adam Schefter. He he chimed in last week, uh, suggesting that nearly twenty teams could have a new starting quarterback next season. And and now we know that at least two of those will be the Lions and the Rams after this trade. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what Matthew Stafford can do in this offense uh, with this coaching staff, with these pair of uh, of really good wide receivers in Cooper Cup and and, and Robert Woods. Uh, I mean, I think of Stafford as a as a high end, high upside fantasy quarterback. But the past couple of years have not been kind to him. Really, he's he really has struggled. Uh, from the beginning of his career through 2017, he was a quarterback one 50% of the time, half of his games, a top 12 quarterback. Over the past three seasons, only a little over a quarter of his games has he scored as a, as a quarterback one. Uh, of course, that has a lot to do with with Kenny Galladay missing time. This season, Stafford was injured uh, and missed uh, around half of the 2019 campaign. Uh, so just to see him get that fresh start, he clearly needed it. Everybody was ready for it. Uh, so I can't wait to see what, what he does there. Well, that a, a lot of those struggles of late may have to do with that coaching staff was that was in Detroit over the last few years, playing with a bunch of New England Patriot cast-offs and you know, overpriced veterans. 
really dragged down the talent on that roster in Detroit. And, you know, he was really playing with a stacked deck, Matt. How do you project him specifically moving over to L.A. with the new set of tools and weapons and and an offensive philosophy that is sure to put him in a lot better position than he was in his time in Detroit? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about Stafford. Uh, We've seen a lot of, like, how can you say the Rams won this trade? Uh, you know, with all, all they gave up, and I guess they better, they sure better be right, because since they don't have another first round pick till twenty twenty four, I think now, and the, la- the golf was the last first round pick they made in twenty sixteen, uh, so they've got a lot invested in this deal. But we've seen Stafford be be very good with with a lot less weapons than he has, and certainly a lot worse play callers than he has now, and certainly a lot worse defense and offensive line than he has now. So you know, if he's if he's anything like he was in twenty nineteen when before that injury. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a kind of a bounce back from Stafford and I don't think he's going to be cheap now. Certainly not as cheap as he was a couple of weeks ago when I saw him go for a single second round pick in a super flex league. Uh, but uh, someone I'd be willing to invest in, especially if in a startup draft, I think he's someone you can get on the cheaper end of those, uh, you know, low end quarterback one, high end quarterback two. So uh, I think it's going to be great for, uh, for, for cup and for woods, um, the, both of the tight ends, you know, both of those guys are back. So I, I'm very excited about this move and I, I don't know, own nearly enough Stafford right now. Yeah. He's he, Ryan. He's lumped in with all these veteran quarterbacks at this point, but he's on the younger, younger end of that. Uh, I think he's 32 or 33 right now. These quarterbacks are playing till 36, 37, 38, even later than that. And projecting him going forward with the better weapons, potentially a better offensive line, and, and certainly a better coaching staff, it just feels like, as Matt kind of alluded to there, there's a lot of value to be had from a dynasty perspective with Matt Matthew Stafford considering the big upgrades. Yeah, there is for sure. Currently in our, our January DLF ADP, he was quarterback 16. Uh, you know, ironically, I guess uh, Jared Goff is quarterback 15 just ahead of him. <laughs> That's not going to stay like that. That, that no. is <laughs> certainly going to change. And in fact, it's it's kind of surprising to even think that uh, that's how it was uh, a few weeks ago. But you, you look at the names uh, above those two and, and it's kind of hard to see Stafford jumping ahead of the, uh, many of those. You've got two uh, at, at 14. Um, you know, even even with a bumpy rookie season, he certainly still has quite a bit of value. Baker Mayfield, Tannehill, uh, Jalen Hurts is quarterback eleven. Obviously, a player that could uh, c- could really go in either direction from there. And and then you get into that that top ten range that are, are pretty safe guys that are pretty safe right now. So Stafford at quarterback sixteen, maybe maybe he jumps up a spot or two, but this is pretty much where we're going to see him valued. And, and I do think that. Uh, that does offer some nice value whether you are are trading for him or drafting him like Matt was mentioning. Absolutely a guy that as as we look at him, he's one of those guys in the short term in a two to four year window that you can look at as a guy you can pay a lower price for and get higher production. I think most fantasy managers out there probably project him as at least a low end quarterback one as far as production goes uh, year in and year out, week in and week out. And when you can get that at quarterback 15, quarterback 16, feels like a value. On the other side of things, guys, we should talk about Jared Goff because in these super flex leagues, he's rostered. He's a guy that people are depending on, uh, probably as a quarterback too. And it's hard to project him that way moving forward, Matt. He f- seems like he stepped, took a step back as far as weapons and coaching staff and all the things that we were excited about for Stafford. How do we look at him now as we move forward? Because it, it feels like counting on him as a quarterback too was rocky enough when he had all those weapons. Now in Detroit in a rebuild, it doesn't feel real good to have him in your starting lineup. No, and, you know, I don't really know what they're doing with this coaching staff. It's like they're throwing a big wad of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, you know, Dan Campbell, he, he was great in Miami when he took over his intern coach for a little while, and we kind of had some hopes for him, but he kind of disappeared. Uh, and, you know, he's the, he's, the, he's the player's coach, right? He wants to be friends with everybody. He gets everybody pumped up. And that's great, but how's that going to translate on the field? We saw what Anthony Lynn wanted to do in San Diego, but Justin Herbert and a, and a, and a staff doctor kind of prevented that from happening right so I'm not excited about him as the offensive coordinator it really feels like all of these 
these weapons in that offense are taking a bit of a downgrade, not, not, not just talking about Jared Goff, right? And with that huge contract, maybe that puts into a, doubt, a little bit of doubt if, if Galladay is going to be back. You know, what does this do to Swift? Uh, you know, I guess if we were going to say that Lynn just wants to run the ball and play defense, uh, that may be as good things for Swift. But uh, I'm a little bit lower on him than everybody else anyway. Uh, so I'm, uh, it's, it's just another thing, another one of those organizations, right? We used to loop in Washington this, with this uh, uh, and with uh, New York Jets and Cincinnati. And, you know, some of these are, are changing our minds about the direction of their franchises. But uh, Detroit is still one that I don't really trust and I'm fine not having any pieces of. They seem convinced that Campbell's the guy, Ryan, to to turn things around. They gave him the six-year contract. They hired the GM. He makes the big splash with this trade and adding the draft picks. This is a long-term rebuild. You know, considering Swift and Galladay and all the weapons in in tow in Detroit and and Goff throw him in there as well. Is there any reason to to think things might be looking up sooner rather than later, or is this a long term thing and we need to avoid everybody we can? Yeah, I think it's a long term thing, and uh, I I believe Galladay is a free agent. I'll have to check that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, we'll see what they do with him. I, I wouldn't expect teams in in this situation to to tag players like Galladay. So maybe, maybe Galladay is gone as well. Uh, and it, it becomes really just uh, DeAndre Swift and, and TJ Hawkinson there. Um, those are a, a couple of players I'm still excited about. I think, I think we can still have high expectations for those two based on the, the coaching staff and, and kind of what they're telling us they want to do. But really that's, it, that's kind of it outside of, outside of those players. I'm, I'm not going to be targeting wide receivers from this team. Both uh, Galladay and Marvin Jones are, are free agents, and I would expect them to move on at this point. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation for sure. It, it affects the rest of that quarterback market that we kind of entered this conversation with. Now what's Deshaun Watson going to go for if he is in fact traded? Seems like that that's going to happen. And then all these other uh, extra pieces at the quarterback position throughout the league that are rumored to be moving around. How does this trade affect their destinations and, and the price for these guys to move on to a new franchise? It's going to be a fun offseason, no doubt. Let's get into this rookie mock, though, guys. We did a drawing for the number one pick. And Matt, uh, you were the lucky number <laughs> one pick getter, I guess. You're uh, you're going to take, take the first pick. We're going to go Matt, Ryan, Dan, and then just follow that all the way to the end, there is no. Uh, we're not boomeranging or snaking this draft. We're just gonna, we're just gonna roll right through. So Matt, it's super flex, it's PPR, and you hold the number one pick. Who's the choice? I, I think honestly, even despite being at super flex, there there's an argument for for three or four guys here. Um, but I went with the quarterback. I went with Justin Herbert, uh, and obviously a very impressive rookie season, 400, four, over 4,000 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, 10, only 10 interceptions, 67% completion re- percentage, five rushing touchdowns. He actually broke Cam Newton's rookie touchdown record, 36-35, uh, to 35, and was just 38 yards short of Andrew Luck's rookie passing record. Um, so they've added uh, a defensive head coach, which was a little bit of concern to begin with, right, with Brandon Staley coming over. Um, but they did add Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, coordinator spent 10 years in New Orleans with Sean Payton and a passing game coordinator Shane Day who worked under Kyle Shanahan as the quarterback coach so uh, I'm very optimistic about Herbert in the future I feel like in a super flex league he is the the, the obvious choice for the one um, but I wouldn't argue with a, a few other guys there Herbert was a guy regularly that flipped into the mid to late part of Superflex rookie drafts because the expectation was that he'd have to wait a little while and that he wasn't necessarily all that ready to take over an NFL offense. That all changed in week one, though, and he he really just just took the ball and ran with it. He was unreal throughout the season. For him to move all the way up to the top after one season, Ryan, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is, but that I think part of that just goes to show how quarterbacks are valued in this format. That if you find um, a good one or, or even a potentially great one like Herbert, um, then he's going to have tons of value. I mean, we will we will see Herbert. Uh, we should see Herbert at least locked in as a first rounder in in superflex startups this off season as well. So uh, if I had the number one pick, that would have been the way I went as well. Yeah, I would have also taken Herbert at the top. 
uh, in Superflex startups right now, he is already that that first round according in the first round according to DLF ADP. He's be, he's being selected at eight overall, so already a first rounder. Um, that puts you on the clock, Ryan, at number two. Who are we going with here? Well, I agree with Matt that there are multiple players to consider, uh, and I think going back to that kind of that startup point of view, I think we have at least three or four guys, maybe even five guys who are going to end up with a first round super flex startup ADP, or at least would be considered. Um, uh, of course those are spread out over, uh, over the three positions. And I, I won't say every name here. I don't want to give, give Dan any hints, but um, <laughs> looking at the depth of each position, I think I would, I will stick with a quarterback position uh, because of um just talking about that value and, and how how difficult it can be to get a quarterback in this super flex format. So I'll take Joe Burrow here at uh, the 1.02. So if, if you're talking about, if this is a real draft, Ryan, and you're on the clock at two, maybe, maybe roster construction and all those things pop into your head. But after his rookie season, the injury and, and everything that happened for Burrow – are are those factors, especially the him potentially not being available early next year, would that factor into this decision? And did it make you think twice about going with Burrow? Well, everything has to factor in, uh, and I think this does represent um, a, a value loss for Burrow. I think it, he could have been, and and really he was almost that that guy who was locked in as the one hundred and one in these types of drafts during the off season or the preseason. So yeah, I mean, the injury has hurt the kind of the uncertainty around that Bengals offense has hurt as well. And, and then really just guys like Herbert and and some of these receivers and running backs uh, stepping up and showing that they are elite options as well at their position has kind of balanced things out. So where in the, in the off season, we really had burrow. And then I guess we, we could throw Clyde Edwards Hilaire in there who was, being chosen as the as the number one pick or at least the number two pick in most of these drafts. It was kind of those two guys and then everybody else. To me, the top tier is probably now five or six players deep, at least. It's a tough decision right there, too, and I agree with what you said for the most part, that Burrow would be probably up there in the first round of startup ADP if – if he didn't have that injury and there wasn't that, that cloud kind of hanging over his head for his availability for early in his second season, he's pushed all the way down to 18 in the most recent startup uh, Superflex ADP. I'm on the clock at three. I'll take the guy that's at nine in that ADP. Even in Superflex, it's Jonathan Taylor. Of course, he carried the Colts and carried dynasty managers to championships late in the season, finished the year with almost 1,200 yards on the ground, 11 rushing touchdowns, caught 36 of 39 targets for 299 yards and another score, six RB1 games, five RB2 games, and was just everything that we expected him to be in the second half of the season. You guys mentioned that there's multiple guys worth considering at the top. I would have taken Herbert one. I think I would have gone with Taylor at two over Burrow slightly, um, but it's a real close call. Yeah, I would have I would have gone with Taylor also at two, but it's 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 super close. Yeah, Taylor uh, of course was was the other player I, I considered strongly at two, and and would have would have really even considered at one as well. Um, it, sure. it for me it just goes back to the depth of the running back position and um, an activity like this where we're trading picks and and three people are participating can kind of cloud your judgment a little bit you know you're going to get one in a typical yeah. draft maybe you just have that one first round pick um or, or something like that so uh, of, of course that has to that has to play a part i mean i know last year in in a, a super flex rookie draft i was participating in i had the number one pick i i certainly wanted joe burrow but i also had multiple later first round picks and and knew i could uh worst case get uh, get to uh, or get Herbert or something like that. So I went with the running back, and at, at that point it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the 101. Um, so, it, again, that just shows kind of what team construction can uh, can do to these decisions. 
Yeah, hopefully we're going through this exercise thinking, okay, I only get this pick each time, of course. Uh, it does it does factor in for sure when you're thinking, oh, I, I want to build a, I want to make the best pick possible and oh if I can if I can get burrow here like you did at two, I'll, I'll have plenty of chances at all these running backs. This next tier of players is just as interesting as that top tier of three in my opinion. In fact, there's a handful of guys that could go in any order once again. Matt, you get to kick us off in this tier. Uh, which way are you gonna go here? Yeah, you guys are setting me up pretty well here. I have the rookie quarterback who who set 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 records, and now I'm going to get the wide receiver that set rookie wide receiver that set records. So it's got to be Justin Jefferson for me. Uh, just an incredible rookie season. Somebody that I unfortunately have zero of so that's not not great for me I was taking a different receiver in that same tier pretty much every time when I was picking in that you know late first range um so but I don't know why how you can deny him at this point he's clearly the wide receiver one there uh you know Kirk Cousins is is fine he was even good last year I might even say uh and Thielen is going to fade a little bit I do I am a little bit worried about him you know now probably taking on that that number one defensive coverage uh he's going to see Jair Alexander twice a year which probably is not super great for him uh but i don't think i don't i don't see how you could have him any lower than four or, or maybe five here depending on where you have uh one of the other guys uh so this was a pretty easy pick for me yeah it's pretty easy in my opinion right now the uh 25th player off the board and startup adp superflex startup adp the wide receiver six ryan if you had the fourth pick would you have taken jefferson i definitely would have taken jefferson yeah i, th- I think he was the clear pick <laughs> Uh, I think he's, mm-hmm. uh, as much as I still like a couple of these wide receivers that are out there, I think he's clearly uh, the top rookie wide receiver option. And honestly, looking at these running backs, um, at this point, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just getting through that that regular season and the fantasy season. But with the running backs that are left outside of Taylor, the the negatives are kind of standing out more than the positives for me. Yep. It it does feel that way for sure. I'm interested to to hear after that uh analysis, Ryan, who you want at five because there's a there's a story to be told about each one of these prospects of how they could explode in their second season be the next big thing and then there's reasons for subtle doubts yeah absolutely um so i love activities like this because uh, and i I feel like i say this every time we do it uh, but it makes me change my rankings so and looking at these names thinking about the the situations and the outlook short term and long term i'm gonna have to change my rankings Uh, i'm gonna take cam Akers here Ooh. Yeah. Oh so of course we have uh, the the names that everyone knows at the running back position, and we, I don't want to hit on every one of them now. And you know, let let you guys make the picks and get through this. But uh, with that trade that we talked about, I think Acres is is set up to be as successful or maybe more successful than some of the other running backs that we're looking at here. And uh, like like a couple of them, he ended the season on a hot streak. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm taking Cam Akers here. Yeah, I like the pick Me for too. sure. You're, you're a little ballsier than I am maybe because I scrutinized my rankings coming into this exercise, constantly moving guys around, and, and I had the conversation. If I had the fifth pick, would I take Akers or the guy I'm about to take, Dobbins? Uh, and I chose Dobbins and stuck with it, but Akers did move up with that trade for sure. A lot of what you said rings true for me as well. That offense is going to be uh, improved for sure, and, and Akers and that workload that he got late in the season and into the playoffs projects forward as what's going to happen in 2021 and beyond. I like his his upside in the offense, particularly with the new quarterback. J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, the reason I keep him just one spot ahead, Ryan, is because of their consistent use of the running backs and how they, uh, you know, they're the run he- most run-heavy team in the league, and a lot of people look at that and say, well, yeah, of course they are, because their quarterback runs more than any other quarterback. Well, that's not necessarily true, although he does run more than anybody else they also hand the ball off to a running back more than any other team in the league now he he shared that workload with two other guys this year but in just like acres down the stretch he was the bell cow he was the guy that was getting the most work and even if uh they there is competition there which we expect 
uh, it really feels to me like Dobbins set the set himself on a path of being that workhorse three down back in Baltimore, and he's going to get as many opportunities he, as he can handle next season. So I had him at five and take him here at six. I had uh, I actually had Acres as my second running back too, just ahead of Dobbins. So I like I like okay. I like both of those picks, um, but I did have both of them behind one other player, C.D. Lamb, who I'll, I'll take here. Uh, I, I just I think he's I think he's I think he's still good. I think he's still it could be the wide receiver one in this class. We saw him perform extremely well within those five games with Dak Prescott. You know, obviously it's not a guarantee that Dak is coming back, but you have to think it's going to happen. You can't. I mean, I I can't. I can't uh, uh, see a world where Jerry Jones just lets them, you know, not have a good quarterback, uh, you know, in 2021. So whether it's Dak, whether it's somehow it's it's not going to be Watson, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying here. They're going to have a good quarterback. So I'm happy to take Lamb here. Uh, obviously, it's a crowded wide receiver group with with Cooper and uh, Gallup still on under contract for one more season. Uh, you know, both of those guys could be gone next year, and then then Lamb's the the, the one, right? So uh, I think we still have to wait a little bit. To, to realize that ultimate upside, but he was already, uh, you know, a very good start as a wide receiver too in fantasy with Dak Prescott, uh, and and had some wide receiver one games there as well. So uh, he's still above both of those running backs for me that you guys took, but it's it's obviously the same tier, and and we're we're uh, splitting hairs here. Yeah, we're splitting hairs for sure. It's a nice tier to be in. C.D. Lamb currently the wide receiver 8 and Superflex ADP. So already a wide receiver 1 here, Ryan, with C.D. Lamb. Uh, there's probably a case to be made that there's a tier break here, that there's, uh, because of recent events especially, maybe you'd ra- much rather have the 7 pick than the 8. How's it How's it going on your board? Um, I don't know that that's true. Uh, and honestly, <laughs> um, I... I would say this from five to ten, nine or ten is is all kind of the same tier for me. Uh, so I, I thought either Jefferson yep. was in that top tier or he's he's alone on, uh, by himself at at four overall. But then Acres, Dobbins, Lamb, Swift, uh, Swift is who I'm taking here. Spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> I'll take I'll take DeAndre Swift at, at eight. I think all of those guys are in the same tier with a, a couple of the other players that. Uh, will will surely be drafted soon. Uh, I think if we did this a month ago, Swift probably would have been uh, a four, the four or five pick overall. Um, and you know, we spent the beginning of the show saying we're worried about the Lions. We want to avoid the Lions. But Dan Campbell, I mean, we 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 all heard that press conference. He is that uh, that prototypical football guy. He he's going to want to run the ball. Former tight end. Um, this. This is just a this is an offense that's going to ultimately be built around DeAndre Swift. I think uh, you're definitely not you're not putting everything in the hands of Jared Goff. We've already seen how that goes when that happens. So uh, I think the trade, I think the hire, is, is all good news for Swift ultimately. Yes, yeah, Swift is is the clear pick here for sure. He was he's. He's, his ADP is 24 in Superflex Leagues, the RB9. In fact, he's one spot above Justin Jefferson and was picked ahead of Jefferson in two out of the four mocks that were done for DLF Superflex ADP data. So you're right. A few weeks ago, Swift was going going probably fourth in this exercise. Maybe not with the three of us doing it, uh, but it's, it's certainly some good company to be in and a nice pick to get all the way down at eight. Uh, Matt, I'd love to know what you think. If if you had that eighth pick and it went one through seven, who were you taking Swift as well? Yeah, I I, I think what Ryan said. I think Jefferson belongs in that top tier or interior of himself, and then these next uh, four guys or four or five guys, uh, maybe six six guys, depending on how you feel about the next couple coming off the board, are all on that same tier. So I think Swift is. If if somebody wanted to take Swift ahead of Acres, Dobbins, or Lamb, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I don't love being on the clock at nine it's it's not a great place to be because this is where i feel there's a massive tier and and really the beginning of of a tier um so we differ a little bit on that i'm gonna take Tua a tongue of a because of the quarterback 
position. I, I know there's a lot of negativity surrounding him right now and, and the possibility that maybe he's moved in the Deshaun Watson trade and all those things. Just a few months ago, guys, we were we were talking about him as the clear quarterback two in this class and, and that he, there, in a regular year he'd be a lock, stock, and barrel quarterback one. And I, I know there's so much negativity, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, on the quarterback podcast when we when we kind of dissected all the quarterbacks um their play as rookies he's he's the quarterback 14 right now in regular startup ADP uh right around there in superflex ADP as well and while there's there's probably another quarterback that'll go here shortly and and there's wide receivers and running backs to select as well because it's super flex. It feels like Tua is in this tier. And if I was at nine, I, I guess I'd, I'd go with him. Yeah. I think this is probably the right spot for Tua. Again, it just goes back to that quarterback value. It's, um, it, it's just so tough to get starters in a super flex league, especially young starters. And um, it, it's really easy. I think to fall into the, the recency bias that's all negative for Tua. All of this probably makes him a pretty smart trade target in Superflex leagues right now. Looking at that ADP, he falls he falls right there at 33, quarterback 13, right around Cam Akers and Michael Thomas. And, you know, those are the two guys behind him. And right in front of him, Travis Kelsey and Baker Mayfield. So, you know, again, I don't love being on the clock at nine, but Tua's the guy for me. Matt, if you were at nine, who would you have taken? Uh, Tua, I actually, I just have one spot lower, but I have no problem with it. He was, you know, you guys remember, I'm sure. Uh, he was my, my, he was my, I actually preferred him to bo, uh, to Burrow in the pre-draft process. So uh, I love Tua there. Uh, I mean, we flipped the script with, with, with Herbert and his crazy season and then, you know, Burrow getting hurt. Um, and Tua pushed Tua kind of all the way down to three uh, amongst the, that group. So uh, definitely like it, though. He wasn't as impressive as we had hoped, but, you know, still coming off that injury, had that one really nice game. So I, 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 we, we've had a little bit of uh, of coaching, you know, speak how he he's maybe not the guy. They were thinking about even maybe trading him at some point. I kind of think all of that's nonsense at this point unless Watson for some reason ends up there, which I, I don't think is going to happen. So I like to pick uh, my guy, though, I would have taken here just one spot above him is Antonio Gibson, uh, somebody we have not seen the uh, – the entire repertoire of what he can do really unlocked yet. We knew he was a great receiver in college. That didn't really come to fruition, mostly because of J.D. McKissick. McKissick is probably going to be there again. There's a quarterback issue. We don't know really know who it's going to be. Now that Hassans is gone, uh, Alex Smith is probably not the, the starter there. I don't think it's probably <laughs> Henneke or Heineke. Um, so that is a big question mark, but it seems like he want, they want him to be the centerpiece of that offense. We have some continuity there with uh, with Ron Rivera coming back and, and that, uh, the rest of that coaching staff. So I'm excited about uh, Gibson's upside in the future, and we're taking him just, just barely ahead of two at this point. Yeah, it's a nice pick. He certainly fits into this tier. Ryan, that puts you on the clock at 11. Uh, I think – you, you really have to start looking at uh, the depth of the different positions right now. I, I look at my wide receiver list, and there's uh, 10 guys I'd like to have still. So that's going to push me over to running back. I'm going to take uh, – I think I'm going to take James Robinson here. This is probably another uh, another sign I need to update my rankings because I think I have someone else a little bit higher still. Uh, but I'm going to take James Robinson Obviously, we know about the success he had as an undrafted free agent. Um, really was the only good thing about the Jaguar season until the last couple of weeks when they found out that they would be adding Trevor Lawrence to that team. So a new quarterback, a new coaching staff. I, I don't think there's any chance they look to replace Robinson, at least for the next year or two. I still don't think of him as necessarily that, that long-term elite asset like some of the other running backs that we've already seen come off the board. Uh, but I absolutely think he's a safe fantasy starter uh, for the next two years. I like that. He's a guy that would probably go in four or five different spots right around here. If you did this exercise over and over and with a bunch of different dynasty managers, uh, that's a, that's a nice spot for him for sure. I think 
I'm pretty confident saying the guy you're you you suggested might be ranked ahead of him is Clyde Edwards Hilaire Ryan and I'm going to take him here at 12. So he stays in the first round just barely and those of you that listened to the running backs episode as we kind of dissected the the rookie seasons in our rookie review episode a couple of weeks ago, we were all pretty uh Critical, I, I think it's fair to say critical of Clyde in his rookie season. There were some positives, for sure. He caught the ball all right, not probably as much as many of us wanted him to. 36 catches, uh, 297 yards, and a touchdown on 54 targets. He just wasn't as involved in that offense as we all expected. The The clear number one pick in so many drafts. Uh, rookie drafts this past August and July and and just right after the NFL draft, really. He slid a long ways. Uh, There have been three quarterbacks, so this suggests that he would go in the 8-9-10 range of a non-superflex league or standard league. It's it's really a fall from grace for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and the the expectations honestly just got too high for him. I think that's that has a lot to do with this this value drop because uh, I I don't think we could say he was bad this season. Um, you know he he was fine. He had his moments, just like some of these other rookie running backs. Um, but once he was drafted in the first round to that team, once, uh, of course, Damian Williams opted out, that just changed the perception of, of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, we even saw him going 101 in, in redraft leagues, which was, uh, which was the real sign that had probably gone too far uh, with the hype and the expectations. So uh, I still like Clyde. I think he's probably a, a dynasty buy given this, uh, drop in value and, and in ADP and rankings. Um, but I think this is probably more in line of where he would, uh, where he would fit right now. Yeah. It feels like the right pick at 12 for sure. So the first round is in the books. The first three picks were Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow and Jonathan Taylor followed up by Justin Jefferson, Cam Akers and JK Dobbins at seven. Matt went with CD lamb. Then Ryan took Deandre Swift. I took two, Tua Tungvaloa, and then the final three picks, Antonio Gibson, James Robinson, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Before we get to round two of our rookie mock, we should talk about monkeyknifefight.com. They are the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with an initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of a $10 deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and you're going to receive a free dynastyleaguefootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by a year. Monkey Knife fight is also going to match that initial deposit doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50 if you like us guys and you are going to play some prop bets for the Super Bowl this is the best way to do it because you slide that 10 bucks 20 bucks 50 bucks into your account at monkey knife fight and you can play all these prop bet games there's so many entertaining contests. You can pick who's going to score touchdowns. You can uh, pick the over-unders or the higher lowers on rushing yards and passing yards for all these players. Put two of those players together. If you're right on both, three and a half times your money. All you have to do is head over to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Click on the banner for Monkey Knife Fight. That'll take you to sign up. Put your deposit in. You're going to get a free year of DLF. Plus, they're going to double that bankroll, and you're going to have so much fun on Super Bowl Sunday. So head over to DLF, click on the banner, join Monkey Knife Fight, get some free Dynasty content, and some free money from monkeyknifefight.com. Matt, you uh, are on the clock to lead off round two. We had a run of running backs to finish round one with Gibson, Robinson, and Edwards Hilaire. You going to keep that train going? I am definitely not. I feel like we're about to see a round <laughs> filled with enti- entirely with wide receivers. So I'm going to get in ahead of that. And I'm going to take Jalen Hurts here. Uh, we still don't know 100% if he's going to be the starter in, in 2021. We we think he probably is, but there's still this drama between he and Carson Wentz, obviously. And uh, uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen Nick Sirianni, he's the new <laughs> Eagles coach, uh, his press conference, uh, that, it's entertaining. And I don't have a whole lot of faith uh, in, in the direction of this organization right now. 
now just based on that that's probably uh not fair of me uh but uh i think hertz offers the most upside at this point he's the last quarterback that i really care about in this in this class uh and he, we know he offers the rushing upside we saw what he could he could be just in that limited opportunities he got at the end of uh, of 2020 after after Carson Wentz got benched. So uh, first pick of round two feels pretty good for Jalen Hurts here. In a typical season, if a player comes in at the end of the year like Jalen Hurts did and plays as well as he did and, and carries dynasty managers, that quarterback would be a top five pick. But because this this draft is so stacked with talent and the Wentz still exists and there's so many question marks in Philadelphia, he gets pushed down to 13 Ryan, if you had 13, would you consider Hurts, or were you going to fade the quarterback position here? Yeah, this is probably where he should go, just uh, just based on the upside. Uh, not only the upside to start in general, but the upside as a fantasy uh, starter that he's already shown. He uh, he averaged over 30 fantasy points a game for a three-game stretch. That's uh, that's not something that we could see from a lot of quarterbacks, so... Yeah, I mean, you could you could make the case that he should have gone even higher just because of that. So that puts you on the clock at fourteen, Ryan. Which way are you going to go here? Yeah, with the with the one point oh two, I took Joe Burrow, so I'm going to stack it up a little bit here and take his wide receiver T Higgins at two point oh two. Um, we talked about Higgins a lot on that wide receiver episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, tons of upside and, and really undervalued. I think Lamb and, and certainly Justin Jefferson have taken a lot of the hype, a lot of the attention from this class, and, and Higgins has just kind of plugged along. Um, and I, I think he's the best wide receiver in Cincinnati right now. He's, um, I think, what what did we say? I think he was wide receiver 14 in our one quarterback ADP. We, we all thought that was a little bit high, but... Uh, in the second round of a rookie draft feels like a great value for him. Yeah, it feels like the place that he should go for sure uh, fits in nicely with the group of wide receivers that we're all about to talk about, I'm sure. When we had that conversation, Ryan, he was lumped in with a with a bunch of these wideouts, and, and all of us said, you know, the Cincinnati thing that's hanging mm. over their head, and they're trying to get over that, of course. And Higgins was just so impressive as a rookie attached to Burrow for the long term and in an, in an offense where we like his upside for sure feels like kind of a disappointment that he's going at 14. Cause that that's similar to what his ADP was uh, during the off season and things like that. Maybe up a couple of ticks after such an impressive rookie season, you expect guys that have that kind of rookie year to move up drastically and it just didn't happen for him which is surprising yeah i think i think part of it is maybe the cincinnati thing we, we talked about this with detroit uh, we've talked about it with the jets before there's there's some teams you just really want to avoid if if possible and, and the Bengals have been one of those for a long time uh we'll see if they can can get things turned around with with some young players there but i, I think the other part is just the depth of the wide receiver class there's um there's still a lot of great wideouts even on the board still here in the early second round. Yeah, and I'm I'm choosing between a couple of them. I actually have my uh, wide receiver three still on the board, so I'm going to go with him. That's Jerry Judy. I have him just one spot above T. Higgins, certainly in the same tier. Judy came came out of Alabama with all that fanfare, and there was so such high expectations, and then – of course, this year, he only catches 52 of 113 targets, just three touchdowns despite injuries throughout the wide receiver core in Denver and having that opportunity to play full-time. Uh, the expectation from most dynasty managers, guys, is that Judy's going to take off in year two. One of the league leaders in air yards uh, was open regularly and missed by by poor quarterback play up there in Denver. So uh, I, I feel really good about Jerry Judy going at 15 here and adding him to this roster. Yeah, I like that. I think that situation in Denver is – you know, not as necessarily as good as we may have thought it was last at uh, this time last season. Uh, but uh, you can't argue with the player himself. He was disappointing in terms of drops and stuff like that. But uh, he, this is exactly where I think he should be going. I, I do have T Higgins just a couple, like one spot ahead of him. I think like Ryan probably does too. But uh, no, no problems with him here. Uh, he's. I, th- I think you could make an argument that 
that uh, he he is the wide receiver one there, even over Cortland Sutton when he comes back healthy. For sure, and and while those disappointing things did happen, the drop passes, uh, he didn't have the greatest body language on the field either. He'd get missed on a throw when he was open on a slant, and he'd shrug his shoulders and look back at the quarterback. You know, obviously Denver is one of the cities that could have a new quarterback uh, in 2021. That would be a huge upgrade for Jerry Judy, uh, and we don't even know who that guy would be yeah. yet. You, you would do that too if Drew Locke was your quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Good I did it, and he's sure. not my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're up at 16. Yeah, this is another kind of tough spot because we've got this like gaggle of wide receivers here that you know it's it's a little bit difficult to separate. Uh, separate them, and uh, you know I, I would not be be sad to have any of them. But again, we Brian talked about the depth of certain positions, so I'm going to do something I never thought I would do, oh, and I'm going to take I'm going to take AJ Dillon oh. here. Uh, if <laughs> if Aaron Jones is gone, we know what the upside can possibly be. Uh, I think the Packers are going to try to keep the band together. They're going to resign Lindsey, and if there's one person that one player that's going to walk, it's probably going to be Aaron Jones. Unfortunately, I don't want it to happen, but I think the writing is on the wall at this point uh so if that's the case and and, and dylan is is the guy there i think uh we've got a lot of touchdowns in store for us uh for people that have aj Dillon on their roster yeah i like that pick for sure he's a guy i considered at 15 i didn't think he'd make it to me at 18 uh ryan your thoughts on dylan going at 16 this uh, it kind of fits with the Jalen Hurts pick that Matt also made because although we've seen so much from this class, there's still still some players with with question marks, and that's that's the range of player that we're getting into that you're uh, you're taking a shot and, and things need to go right for AJ Dillon to hit, uh, but if he does, then uh, then that obviously is a great pick in the in the early part of the second round so uh, i totally agree again we've talked about aaron jones a ton i think he's gone uh, and and dylan makes sense to be the next guy in line so yeah even even if you don't love the player you have to love the situation and and he did have a little bit of an opportunity late in the season and did a lot with it that game against tennessee was a big deal and and i think turned a lot of heads in the dynasty community to with that offensive line and with the quarterback that they have to they have to play pass defense against aj Dillon has running back one upside if he's ever got that backfield to himself or at least has the lion's share of the carries out of that backfield do you guys think you can realistically buy him for even an early second round 2021 pick right now i kind of no. feel like he's pushing that late first range and i would not pay a late first but i would absolutely pay an early second if you could get it done I don't think there's any way you get him for a second rounder. I don't rounder. think so. I don't think so. Either. There shouldn't be, honestly. Again, even if you don't, um, even if you have doubts about AJ Dillon as a player, which I still do, you look at that situation. You look at if he's seventy percent of Aaron Jones, then he's worth way more than a late first rounder. And Aaron Jones was one of these guys that in that offense kind of took off and finally got the opportunity, and all of a sudden he was worth that first-round pick. And and even more than that, recent trades in the trade finder suggest that maybe you can get him for a second. Like you guys said, I, I'm i doubting I'm getting him in any, any of my leagues for a second-round pick. Uh, who's next on the board? Yeah, I think that's me next on the clock. <clears throat> I'm going uh, I am going to go with one of these wide receivers. I'll take the Steelers wide receiver one, Chase Claypool. Uh my guy Juju is uh, all but gone from there, which is I think probably good news for him and it's certainly good news for Chase Claypool. Yeah, I like that pick. He was the he was the one I was hoping would slip to 18. Claypool, I like how you put it, the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh. It looks like Ben Roethlisberger will be back. They're going to kind of, to to steal the term from Matt there, they're going to put that band together the best they can, but probably without Juju, and that means big things for Chase Claypool. When we talked about him in the wide receiver episode uh, last week, it was, I think all of us concurred that, that Claypool is a value and a trade target and a guy that uh, a lot like Dylan, you're not getting him for a mid second uh, straight up in a trade right now. You're going to have to pay a lot more than that. So to get him at 17 here, that's man, what a value. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's a mid first, not a mid second. Yeah. Right. Uh, Which really 
you know, makes me think twice about how great that, that, that the value was in that rookie draft last year. And the suggestion that, you know, from some that thought these draft picks last season, there were some people out there that were trading back end first as we do all the time for future first. And man, that was a big well, mistake. I mean, every year we're making 12 first round picks in a typical league or, or 10 or 14 or whatever your league is. But every year there's, there's likely, I mean, there might be 18 guys that are worth a first round pick as there were in this class. There might be seven guys who are worth a first round pick. So that's why you need to try to make that decision earlier, um, pretty early in the process. And, and we'll, again, we'll get started on this 2021 rookie talk very soon. But you've got to analyze that class and decide if there's 15 or 16 first rounder quality players in this this class then now we we start looking and trading for second rounders because just the percept by perception alone they're always cheaper right and and they're you know there's less risk associated with them when you spend an early second round pick you don't feel like you need an immediate uh immediate production from that player um a lot of the guys that that we're going to talk about as we get into that 2021 class that, that fall in the 10 to 16 range feel a lot like these guys that we're picking here where things have to go right. Obviously they need to end up in the right city and with the right coordinator and coach and quarterback, but there's going to be a lot of value once again, for sure. Um, I'm on the clock at 18. I'll keep it going with the wide receivers and take Brandon Ayuk, who feels like he belongs with the other receivers we've taken here, Higgins and Claypool. Ayuk's maybe at the bottom of this tier, and a lot of his production, as we said last week, was tied to uh, George Kittle being injured in, in the latter part of the season. We'll see how that plays out. Debo Samuel will be back again next season. But to get him in the middle of the second round feels like a value. Definitely agree. He would have been the pick for me here. Um, but since we're in the middle of these wide receivers, I'll, I'll double up like Ryan did, but I'll do it with the Philly guys. I'll take Jalen Rager here. The, the, he's the player that I took every time over Justin Jefferson and definitely sad about it. But, uh, uh, you know, an injury-plagued rookie season, all that cluster that we know happened in Philadelphia. So I still have faith in the player. Uh, just got to get the quarterback situation straight, straightened out and get him some more reps as, as that hopefully future wide receiver one for, for Philadelphia. All right, I think that puts me on the clock next. A uh, couple wide wide receivers I still like. I actually see four wide receivers left who could be the wide receiver yeah. one for their team, uh, which is pretty impressive here in the, the back half of the second. Uh, and again, just, just shows how great this class is. I'm going to take the one I feel like there's a little more upside with. Uh, I'll take LaVisca Chenault here. Jeez, you just keep getting me, McDowell. <laughs> I love it. I just need him to go one more spot. No <laughs> go. Yeah, I like that pick for sure. He would have been my pick. We talked pretty extensively about Chenault and, and his usage and uh, how maybe a change at, at – at head coach and at quarterback could could change his outlook and make him a bigger weapon on that offense. I hope that all happens because I have Chenault in a few places and I'm, I'm just waiting patiently. He was a guy that was a, a second round pick in most rookie drafts last year. So hasn't lost a whole lot of value. Uh, certainly a good player with, with a bright upside though, for sure. So that puts me on the clock at 21 as we try to get through the end of the second round. Uh, still a lot of talent for sure left and a couple of wide receivers. I'm sure the guys that you were uh, pining over as well there, Ryan. I'm going to go with Indianapolis wideout Michael Pittman. Uh, when we talked about him last week, we, we noted that you know maybe there's a change at wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton could be gone, although that ownership group said – said, no, we want T.Y. Hilton back. There's going to be a new quarterback. That could help Michael Pittman. We, Ryan, last week you suggested that Pittman might be a better wide receiver, too, on a team. And, and the more I thought about that, the more I, I, I feel like I agree that if there was a true wide receiver one in Indianapolis and Pittman could play the role of a secondary guy that, that makes plays in the red zone and is that possession receiver, uh, that could that could be mean big things in fantasy. That that's really his true upside is when 
when he doesn't have to face an elite corner and when he's get looked at as a secondary piece, he could be he could take that next step. Uh, it was a little bit up and down, a little bit rocky as a rookie, but the bright spots were bright enough that it feels like a value to get him at 21. Yeah, and he was the other player I was considering there along with Chenault. Like I said, I just felt like Chenault has a little bit of a higher ceiling, but I think both of them ultimately could be uh, the the top fantasy producers at wide receiver for their respective teams. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, I, I, I actually flipped the coin between, between Pittman and Rager. So I think we're all on the, the same page here. I do still think he could, could be a wide receiver one for a team, um, which is why I had him a little bit above Chenault. I'm not sure if he's a wide receiver one. Uh, the only concern we ever had with Chenault was injury history, right? And he, he, he did fine with that last season. Um, but I'll take the, the next guy here who is going to get a quarterback upgrade. I'm going to take Denzel Mims. Flashed a little bit. Uh, overall, very disappointing season, but the entire Jets offense was. Uh, and he was injured for a lot of it. So uh, I like him a little bit more than who Ryan is going to take right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ball. <laughs> yeah, I like I like him more than whoever I'm going to take as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Mems was was clearly the next guy in line. Um, let's was, see, two point yep. eleven. Um, I think I have to stick at wide receiver. There's still uh, still a lot of talent there. Um, I'm going to take Brian Edwards, who I think is oh. the, the Raiders uh, potentially their best wide receiver. Um, and I'll, I'll maybe let Dan have the other guy. <laughs> wow, I like that pick, Ryan. I, I didn't expect ballsy. it, for sure. It, it Ballsy, that's a good word for it. Edwards is a guy that's overshadowed a little bit. Lots of people overlook him because he wasn't a factor in his rookie season. In fact, he's way down at wide receiver 53 in Superflex ADP, uh, 136 overall. There are a lot more rookies. I think I counted 30 rookies ahead of him in ADP. So that would suggest he's a value uh, or a guy that at least dynasty owners should consider looking at on the trade market. Um, I, I did not expect you to go with Edwards. The guy I expected <laughs> you to go with Me too. actually isn't, isn't the guy you guys are thinking. It's Darnell Mooney. Oh, wow. And that's the guy I'm going to take here. Uh, he fits in right at the end of the second round and, and really a guy that was, was undrafted in most of these drafts over the summer had such an impressive rookie season. We talked about uh, the rest of that depth chart, how, how a Rob could be gone. And, you know, even though there isn't a, a true quarterback on the roster, they're going to upgrade that position this year. And Mooney just feels like a possession receiver that can get over the top sometimes. And that's a nice mix for sure. And, you know, I'd, for Mooney's value, it'd be better if Robinson was there. But even if not, he's going to catch a lot of balls in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Darnell Mooney for sure. He's he's one of several wideouts in this, this range who uh, really improved their stock. And, and we just kind of have to decide if they're for real because their um, their value is still realistic enough to, to draft them in startups or to acquire them in trades. So between Mooney and, and a couple of these other names we might uh, hear soon, again, you just have to kind of take your stance on them and, and go get them if you, uh, if you can. So that wraps up the second round of our Superflex 2020 rookie mock. It went Jalen Hurts, T. Higgins, and Jerry Judy at the top, followed up by A.J. Dillon, Chase Claypool, and Brandon Ayuk. 19 overall was Jalen Rager, followed by LaVisca Chenault and Michael Pittman. And we rounded out round two with Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, and Darnell Mooney. So, Matt, uh, we're going to try to get through 12 more picks here. Why don't you kick us off in the third round? I can't believe you guys forced me to take Henry Ruggs, but uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is where it should be. Uh, obviously, extremely disappointing, pointing rookie season. There are people right now screaming at their at their phones or their speakers. I, like, are you kidding me? Ruggs fell to the third round. I know. Like, I was. I mean, I had Edwards and Mooney. You know, not far far after him, but I was for sure. I, I thought for sure one of you guys would have taken him. Uh, we all know the story. Uh, athletic upside for days. He just really wasn't used the way we thought he was 
going to be used to take advantage of uh, his assets. He was used purely as a deep threat. He was they were not created with him at all in terms of getting him the ball and uh, in, in short and intermediate routes and just getting him into space and letting him do what he does best. So hopefully that changes in year two. Uh, but you know, number one wide receiver taken in the twenty twenty NFL draft. Uh, I feel like this is a. I don't want to call it a value because he's not my favorite wide receiver left. It's a value. But uh, from, from, from that perspective, I think he's a value just based on the upside he could hit. Superflex startup ADP still suggests there's two players, two rookies from this class, that people value higher than Henry Ruggs. Ryan, you're on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, Did you want me to give I, them to I you? I was processing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I need to at this point. Um, I'm going to take Gabriel Davis here. This is – yeah, okay, good, good. I got found one of them. Um, I actually would have taken Davis over Mooney and, and probably over Ruggs as well. Um, excited to see what uh, what he can do as a, few, as a member of that Bills offense. Uh, and if we kind of hinted at this recently, if John Brown does get cut as, as some have rumored, then, uh, we'll, we'll see Davis's value spike even more, but back to the Raiders. I, I do think, I mean, both Edwards and Ruggs have lost so much dynasty value has f- fallen so far down uh, ADP. I think both of them are, are pretty good buys right now just to see how it plays out. Yeah. There, there's usually a Ruggs fan in every league and more than likely that, that Ruggs fan bought him in the rookie draft last year. Uh, so they're going to be holding on, but man, so many people are frustrated with Ruggs and his, his upside, which wasn't just, he did nothing with as a rookie. So he's a guy that you can add. I would have taken Davis over Ruggs as well. I'm going to, I'm going to go away from the other guy that ADP suggests is better than Henry Ruggs. I'll take the first tight end off the board. I'll go with Cole Komet here. He he flashed at times. Was a little bit annoying as a Packers fan with his with his antics on the field. But uh, looks like he has a lot of upside to be a field stretcher in Chicago. Feels like he fits in right about here at twenty seven. I think we've officially entered the take your favorite flavor flavor of whatever position that you want. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it feels that way. Yeah, it feels that way. Uh, and so, otherwise known as the third round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and this guy is not really my favorite flavor for anything, but I do think he is potentially a value right now and definitely a buy. Uh, and, and really any league, I'm going to take Keyshawn Vaughn here at the three Oh four. I think that's where we're at. Right. Uh, so, um, I mean, I, I, it's really just about opportunity. I don't think Fournette is back. I think we've seen the best of Ronald Jones already, and it seems like the staff is, you know, they, they keep wanting him to be a thing, but I, I don't think he's going to be a thing. And if Brady is, is back, I think he's going to want the guy who's a better pass catcher, especially with Fournette gone. Um, so I think Vaughn is definitely going to be involved uh, in, in 2021 and in a third-round pick. I think I don't think you can ask much more from really any of these players. I'm going to – Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to stick at the running back position as well. Um, another young guy who could have opportunity. Um, I would say in a equally good or, or maybe even better offense. I'll take Zach Moss here. Yeah. He was the other guy that was that was way up at 20 among these rookies, according to startup ADP. Guy that I think is valued way too highly. If you're talking about that, and obviously you guys do as well that puts me on the clock at 30 as we try to wrap up the third round of this exercise i think i think i'll stick with my tight ends i'm gonna go with adam troutman and take another another tight end with a little bit of upside matt that puts you up once again at 31 yeah, I will go back to receiver uh, again. Fa- take your favorite flavor, right? Uh, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna go with Donovan Peoples Peoples Jones. Uh, so showed a little bit of upside there at the end of the season, and in the had one big catch in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, a very big athletic guy. He's gonna be the three there ob- behind uh, Odell and, and Jarvis Landry, presumably. Um, but we we saw him be able to take advantage of the situation that he was given. Uh, so optimistic about him in the future. Ryan, who you got here? Uh, I will take uh, uh, another one of my guys. I'll take Lynn Bowden here. Uh, Finally showed a little something late in the season uh, once he uh, got some opportunity. Of course, that came after a lot of injuries to other receivers. It it does look like, uh, I know he's still listed as as a running back on a couple different sites, but it does look like they are going to use him 
as a wide receiver and and really just soaked up targets there for a uh, three or four game stretch. Hopefully he can continue that growth and that production. Yeah, hopefully he continues to get those opportunities because he looked good in it, and he certainly fits towards the mid to end part of a third round of something like this. Uh, I had him within a few spots of this this spot for sure. I'm up at 33. I will I'll go with uh, KJ Hamler, field stretching wide receiver out of Penn State. Uh, kind of buried on that depth chart depending on how things play out this off season, but I like the talent. Um, and I like what he put on film as a rookie. He, he looked pretty good. Hopefully he gets more opportunities at the end of the third round. It doesn't feel too bad to go with Hamler. Each of us have one more pick, Matt, who's your last choice? Yeah, my heart, my heart here is with, I'm just going to say, since we're here at the end, my heart is with Quintez Cephas, but that situation in Detroit, as we talked about is a little bit scary right now. So I'm actually going to go with Tyler Johnson, another Tampa Bay Buccaneer, very impressive down the stretch. Uh, uh, when, when Godwin was out and we, we think that Godwin is going to be gone. So I think there's going to be even more opportunity there and, and, and another year of Tom Brady. So, uh, really like, uh, what his future looks like. Ryan, wrap up your draft. Well, you can't uh, can't often get a first round quarterback at the end of the third round, so I'll take uh, <laughs> I'll take Jordan Love here. Um, I am uh, I am not buying into the uh, I guess the talk or the rumors that Aaron Rodgers is is moving on, but um, no. there's he's he's at least frustrated. And even if I uh, in this scenario, even if you have to hold Love for a year or maybe even two years. Um, he, he's going to get a shot somewhere. Um, I've, I've even heard his name pop up in trade rumors that maybe they, uh, redo Rogers contract and, and move on from love. I don't really think that happens either, but again, the upside of, of a guy like Jordan love versus some of the, uh, the depth receivers and running backs we're looking at, I'll take him. Yeah, I like that pick. He would have been my selection at 36 if he slid one more spot. So you got me again there, Ryan. Cephas is a name to to look at. Darrington Evans, Anthony McFarlane. I'm going to go with Van Jefferson, a guy that I... uh, I picked in this spot many times last off season. I like what they did with the, with the addition uh, of Matthew Stafford. He's third in line, of course, among those wide receivers and maybe even fourth, depending on what happens with Reynolds, but he's a good player that runs good routes and fits in that offense for sure. So to get him at the end of the third round feels pretty good guys. We're not going to recap the whole thing. Uh, Lots of good players went off. Anybody that we missed? Any who's the next guy on your board, Ryan? Uh, it would probably be. Uh, it might be Jacob Eason for some of those same reasons. Sure. Um, uh, not not the first round draft capital, but maybe there's a path to him uh, seeing some playing time. I don't I don't think he has a chance to be the starter barring any kind of, kind of injury in in 2021. But uh, he's up there, and then Colin Johnson is a guy I'm kind of intrigued with. Yep. Yeah, Colin Johnson was a guy on my board as well. Matt, somebody for you? Yeah, I had uh, Devin. Probably Cephas, right? Yeah, Quintess Cephas already <laughs> mentioned, so he probably would have been next because I can't leave without him. But no, uh, Darren Duver- uh, Devin Duvernay would be uh, sure. next on the board. Uh, and then two other guys that I, 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 I like, I just worried about their situation. Joshua Kelly showed a little bit early, but all those fumbles and new coaching staff and all that, he might just get buried. And then Harrison Bryant, the tight end in, in Cleveland, uh, high up on my list at this point. Yeah, he's the next guy for me that wasn't mentioned as well. So that puts a wrap, puts a bow on the 2020 class of rookies. We're moving on to 2021 rookies from here on out, fellas. Uh, it was it was uh, good talking about these guys, but they're all veterans for us from <laughs> now on going forward. Uh, there's a new shiny new shiny toys right on the horizon for us. Uh, as we move forward. So for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We will catch you again next time.